The last half century has seen a wide range of cutting-edge advancements in cancer prevention, screening, diagnosis, treatment, and survivorship. The nation's cancer centers, the 71 elite medical institutions designated by the National Cancer Institute for demonstrating excellence in addressing the nation's cancer burden through research, have led the way in advancing scientific discoveries into new standards of care. But access to these cancer breakthroughs has not been equal among all Americans. In this episode, Dr. Robert Wynn, director of the VCU Massey Cancer Center, discusses what exciting developments are on the horizon for cancer research and care in the 21st century. He explains the potential for community-engaged cancer centers to reduce cancer disparities and ultimately make a bigger impact on the communities they serve. Welcome to Healthy with VCU Health, where experts from VCU Health share their knowledge, cutting-edge research, and the latest innovations to help you achieve optimal health and wellness. Take control of your health. I'm your host, Caitlin White. So you joined Massey Cancer Center less than a year ago, Dr. Wynn, as its new cancer center director and have been pretty vocal about your vision for a community-engaged cancer center. What does a community-engaged cancer center entail? Yeah, thank you for that question. And um, I really do think that it really is the foundation of, of not only my vision, but the foundation of what I've been trying to do my whole entire, I think, academic and medical career. And what that really means is, and I'll unpack it this way, we have talked for a long time about the bench to bedside model. What that means is we come up with cures, you know, from our scientists at the, you know, who are at the wet laboratories in our laboratories, and we find maybe some miracle molecule. That molecule then gets to the bedside. The problem with that model has been that, and this is one of the things that I've thought about a lot, the problem with that specific model is if you cannot get to the bedside, then you benefit not which is probably one of the contributing factors to the disparities that we have seen, not just now, but the disparities, the ongoing disparities we've seen for many decades. A second part about that is if you don't actually have the community involved, not just engaged, involved, there is power in having community involvement in helping you to refine your scientific questions, refine maybe even some of the clinical trials we put up because of their information. For example, if you actually had someone that says, okay, well, yeah, if you gave me that kind of drug, it might save my life, but you know, we're not going to take it because our community won't believe in that or our community, there's no way for us to get the transportation and get the medicine because you have to take that six times a day. So it becomes a useless at that point, not a useful uh, medicine uh, for at least that community, although it may be for some So the focus has been on trying to get involvement from the community by thinking of this as a people-to-pipette sort of direction, where we look at what's happening in our communities, and now given the sense of big data that we have, we can have multiple opportunities for looking now at more precise data about communities and then developing more precise interventions to really uh, improve the health of those communities. And that is one of the things that I think in the 21st century, a modern-day cancer centers can do better now than they've ever been able to do in their past. Now, tell us more about that community engagement. Why is it so important? Yeah, so community engagement, well, first of all, let me describe that community engagement is different than what most people think. Community, uh, community engagement, I- I'll define what it's not. It's not outreach. Mm. 
it's not just simply like going to communities and educating them about, you know, cancer. It's not just putting up posters or having uh, booths where they kind of come and they get information about screening. That's, that's community outreach. Community engagement, by definition, is bidirectional. It means we're engaging a community by not only giving them information, but by having them give us information. And that's the biggest piece that people miss, I think, when we're talking literally about engagement. Engagement also, you know, can actually be the foundation for which our community, say, our navigators um, and others are able to facilitate not only information about the importance of clinical trials, but facilitating folks getting onto clinical trials. So I think that when we think about community engagement, we have to really understand that there is a science behind engagement and there is a real benefit to real engagement where you're engaging the voice of the community, not only educating them, but engaging the voices of community that really does have an impact. One example for me at VCU Massey is we are now developing, we have our you know traditional um, advisory boards, uh, philanthropic boards that raise money for us. We have a, a community council, but I've actually deliberately now established a director's council. And that council is made up of people throughout the different parts of, uh, of our catchment area. And that is meant to give me information about what, what's happening in their communities right now, in their areas right now, and for me to allow them to know what's happening at our cancer center and to try to align what their issues are and what the cancer center is able to deliver on to, again, deliver better uh, cancer care throughout the, our catchment area in Virginia and to reduce the cancer burden. Now, when we're looking at cancer disparities, what are some factors that contribute to those gaps? Well, the interesting thing is that the factors that exist in 2020 are also the factors that existed in 1980, mm -hmm. the same factors existed in 1965, mm -hmm. in the 50s, and then the same factors existed all the way back to what W.E.B. Du Bois wrote his first one in 1899, the Philadelphia Papers. Oh, wow. Sort of, at, at, you know, the first describing these disparities. These disparities are, you know, frequently built on social structures. Mm -hmm. So, for example, lack of education or lack of education in the context of our schools, right? Housing issues. You can get down to the economic uh, disparities or the inequities between the groups. And all of the things now that we are definitely uh, more aware now than we probably were uh, two years ago, uh, but they were always present. The, the disparities that go the following. If you have a cancer patient, who lives either on the or the east end of Richmond or in a or, or in Petersburg, for example, and and in fact, I would say that the same thing that goes for the urban underserved also goes for many of our rural populations. They may not recognize the similarities between them in a context of the of the lack of access to you know to really amazing care, right? And so when I think of inequities, I think that these are inequities. Um, we frequently think about health disparities. Mm -hmm. And we almost blame the people living in the in, in those communities, in those underserved communities for their yeah. for, for their plight. I want to change that narrative and sort of say that what I believe is that, you know, we have to look at the structures that set those up. We also need to think about healthy communities because I think the healthier the community, the easier it is to sort of even on the individual level have a better outcome. Now, you touched on it a bit in that last answer, but can you tell us more about how this community outreach and engagement will help with those health disparities in your community? Yeah, so I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, a concrete example. 
um, during the COVID period, and this is a COVID example, mm-hmm. um, we had in Virginia probably one of the most, um, I think, heart-wrenching thing happen. Um, we had a long, well-known, well-beloved faith-based leader by the name of Bishop Gerald Glenn. The story was that he, in early January and February, essentially said, I'm not going to change the way I do business because, you know, the reality is all you have to have is faith. I don't believe in the COVID virus. Unfortunately, you all know the story because it was covered on CNN and everywhere else across the country. He died and told it several other people from his congregation. That was a wake-up call, right? That was a wake-up call that sort of said, okay, well, you know, to, to a number of people, well, this virus is real. But here's a question. Where were most of the faith-based leaders who were part of what I call an anchor institution network, right? So if you think about anchor institutions, libraries, libraries were closed. Schools, schools were closed. So what was the one leftover, you know, I mean, important anchor institution? It was these faith-based communities. So we recognize that early, right? So why? Because typically what was happening to many of these ministers and many of these folks throughout even the state of Virginia is that they were getting conflicting information. They were getting information that didn't make any sense. For example, they were getting information early on that said African-Americans don't even get COVID. So where was their reliable information coming from? Mm -hmm. It wasn't sometimes even coming from the television. It wasn't coming from the news. And so this is where engagement matters. We established since March a facts and faith Friday in which we meet every Friday for an hour Mm -hmm. to discuss issues that are involving not only COVID, but cancer. Lo and behold, you know what's happening as a result of that? We are now gaining ground and we have almost 300 ministers and faith-based leaders that are signing up to say that when the vaccine comes, they'll get first in line and take it. Why does that help? Because when you have communities that rightfully so, distrust the medical community and scientists, who are they going to turn to? They'll turn to people that they trust. So what we've done in this concrete program that um, has now included multiple churches, um, we've been able to give consistent information from our experts at, you know, at VCU. We've been able to bring consistent expertise and uh, expert information from our Virginia Department of Health. We've been able to even in our planning to get people from the NIH and other agencies to actually educate them, but also have them engaged by understanding they're getting feedback right from these ministers. Why? Because these ministers have been essentially deputized to carry information not only back to their congregations, which some are quite large, but they also are giving information back to the community. That's real. How does it affect cancer? Let me just tell you that we had a wonderful discussion that says, as a result of, your, of folks being afraid to come into the hospital and to the clinics, we have people that we know with early stage cancer that are now going to go to advanced. We have people who should be getting you know, screened for cancer that are not, that will likely get it. Do you know those preachers? And those people within that faith-based, you know, sort of network are starting now to plan a campaign about screening. We couldn't do that as a cancer center alone. That's engagement, mm. right? Most cancer centers think Absolutely. that, right, most cancer centers and cancer center directors think that we come up with these great ideas and then off the top of the Mount Olive, we just sort of, you know, give the edict that this is going <laughs> to happen. It's going to happen. It will not reach, right, the east end of Richmond. And, in fact, they won't even mm-hmm. trust it. Because it's so, right? So what we're saying is engagement matters now more than ever to show up and be consistent in your presence in the community because that will ultimately give you the biggest benefit. Um, And I'd also tell you, by the way, that we've actually started an exercise campaign that most of the ministers are running. Why? Because as we're waiting for the vaccine, 
you just like I know that really we know that the data is coming out that the people who who get through COVID the better or who can probably have more of a chance of getting through COVID are people who are healthier. Yeah. So they've now, as all uh, you know, the 500 churches plus are getting together and putting now exercise programs. That's real engagement, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, when we're they they are now talking about clinical trials. What's the benefit to the institution? They are now understanding that clinical trials actually do matter and that the reason why we're able to do things during COVID was because we had clinical trials. Well, that's only one half step over a jump to think about what's happening with cancer. And as we, because we've been dealing with them on a weekly basis, they are now so much better prepared to say, you know what, um, Doc, how do we help you in, in getting people to better understand that these clinical trials are actually helpful for, you, for us in cancer too? You couldn't do that by just sitting in an office and just sort of saying, well, let's engage the community. That's real engagement. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess that leads me to my next question and wrapping up here. I mean, how do you garner that trust and get the community to then engage back with the Massey Cancer Center to help with all this research? Yeah, well, well, well sometimes I, I think sometimes we, you know, there, there used to be an artist uh, uh, that was called Teddy Pendergrass. And essentially he was a very direct you know, sort of person, you know, in the way he would sing about things. And and sometimes that could be good, but with communities, two things I know for sure. You can't do the parachute. You can't just mm-hmm. drop in and then drop out. Absolutely. Second, you really can't actually build your relationship with the community just on a grant. It needs to be bigger than a grant, right? So I always talk about the arc of engagement as opposed to when what happens when the grant ends, How do we continue the relationship with the community? That's real talk. And so instead of just sort of saying, hey, I'm going to be with you, then a grant runs out in 18 months, and all of a sudden you're no longer there, that Mm -hmm. that gives the – that seeds even more distrust in a community, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Exactly, And so when I think about this, I think about how do we do it better? We need to think about, just like we think about other strategic plans, how to strategically – be interactive with our communities over an arc of time. Maybe we can call the arc of five or 10 or 15 years, but let's develop a plan about how you're going to get involved with those communities. And the second thing is, you know, be consistent in our showing up. Because the truth of the matter is, that probably, of, of all things, is how you garner trust. Because people may not trust you on the first time they see you, but over time, if you show up and you show out mm-hmm. and you're consistent, People will trust and that your authenticity of wanting to help, and they will, in, in kind, likely wind up actually helping you. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Wynn, thank you so much for this, not ironically, engaging conversation. Is there anything else <laughs> you want to add to the conversation that we didn't touch on today? Oh, no. That, well, mo- mostly that, you know, all of us, as I'm telling people just to my, you know, I've been consistent in my message, cancer existed before covid Cancer is certainly occurring during COVID, and cancer will be here after COVID. So, you know, we have to think about uh, that other C um, as, and, and give focus back to that. So I'm glad that, um, you are, uh, you, that your show really gives attention to these things. So I appreciate you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for everything you do and for taking the time to tell us about it today. And thank you for listening to Healthy with VCU Health. To learn more about VCU Massey Cancer Center, visit MasseyCancerCenter.org. That's M-A-S-S-E-Y CancerCenter.org. Or call 804-828-0450. That's 804-828-0450. 
I'm your host, Caitlin White. We'll see you next time.